Hello. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to X to the <laughs> You love it. I love I it. It's know. our thing. I know. It's our like quote gimmick. You know. They well, I mean, if, if we could get music, which you know, if any of you are good at music and want to give us music, we're down. Woohoo! Um, but we're not going to use. Um, Licensed music. No. Um, last week was really awesome. It was really awesome. Thanks again yeah, to, to Bobby. Bobby. He was like incredible. Um, and so we definitely are going to, we've got another guest coming. We're booking people. So what What our new kind of uh, format is going to be is going to be you and I one time a month and then a guest other time a month. Yep. Um, and as long as we can continue doing that, like that sounds awesome. I think this is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I like our new format. I, I think it's too. great to bring new voices in, yes. new information in, new perspective. Yep. And also love. just tying in, what I love is that the guests that we're bringing in are coming at it from their own mental health perspective. Yes. And I think that definitely helps to kind of keep us consistent with, you know, kind of what we started. Mm-hmm. And then also, I love, you know, like you said, adding new voices, adding new information, all of that is super helpful. Right. And just talking about our community, because there's so many amazing things that are going on in our 100%. community. 100%. There really are. And to spend all that time to find all of those awesome things that are going on in the community, it wouldn't ever happen. You wouldn't be able to root everything out, right? Right. Exactly. So I'm just happy that we're getting a sample of our community. Absolutely. And so if you are a listener and you do want to come on. Yeah, we would love that. Definitely hit us up. Um... You can follow us on the Instagram. It's X to the Zennial underscore podcast. Um, you can send us an email, X to the Zennial at gmail.com. Um, all the things. Right. Dude, I am exhausted. Me too. I had coffee before I came and I still feel tired. Well, and I think like, especially being on lockdown again, it it is highlighting um, that this is just going to take for stinking ever. Yes. Um, and unless we're doing the things that we need to do, like... It's just going to be forever. <laughs> it's going to be a grip of time. Well, it's it's already been a grip of time. <laughs> but also I think like, and I know that our clients, or my clients and certainly humans that we are in contact with are also just feeling exhausted from mm-hmm. having to do Zoom meetings and, you know, quarantine and yeah, all the things. The and screen it, time is exhausting. So that was a really, really hard is. adjustment for me at the beginning of the school year. Yeah. Where, you know, I write... 407 IEPs a year. Uh-huh. That's fine. Like, that's behind the computer. And yeah. I'm used to that volume every year behind the computer for the writing. Sure. But now to compound it with having the meetings yep. behind the monitor in the screen time, I noticed, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting my endurance up, which is great. Yeah. Um, but, but it doesn't go away. Like, I've no, been doing video too. sessions now for however many months we're in. I don't know, fucking, like, eight. Um, and it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. And I was only seeing four clients a day for a while um but I'm back up to my regular which is like five or six which is exhausting to do on video mm-hmm. occasionally I'll do a phone one if the tech isn't working um but it's it's exhausting yeah. I am fucking drained I wonder if there's like glasses I know for eye strain there's glasses yeah. with a certain tint I wonder if there's glasses and I should put a pin in it to google this that help with this, that screen time exhaustion fatigue. So what I know to be true for me is, um, as an empath in a session, Mm -hmm. I'm very connected. What I've noticed is in a video session, 
it's a lot more concentrated because it's just in this space, right? Right. It's in the space of maybe three feet from me to the screen. The emotionality is the same. The connection is the same. But it's very concentrated in that space. Okay. Whereas if, you know, you and I are talking, we've got the space of the room. Right. For the emotions to kind of process and be out and... Um, the other thing is that even though my job is a lot of sitting, mm -hmm. I get up between sessions and I do that now, mm -hmm. but then I come back to the same seat. It's just a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's straining. And the time change didn't help. I don't struggle with the time change, only that I come home when I work at the office and do video sessions. Um... I don't like coming home in the dark. Yeah. I don't so, like to drive in the dark. I don't see really well in the dark because of my astigmatism. Yeah. And then I had uh, LASIK on top of it yeah. 10 years ago, and my LASIK is kind of diminishing. And that happens. And that happens. That's yeah. normal. They said about 10 years. Uh -huh. And I noticed two years ago that my night vision was just really impacted. Okay. And so, so it's get, just like, getting the, worse and worse. The, what the stars. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the stars and also just like the lights get bigger and they're mm -hmm. just kind of... That's fairly intense, and that comes from, like, the astigmatism. Yeah. But, and so I've had that forever, just lots of shadows and things at night. Yeah. I've always, night driving's never been my thing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no. For me, though, the time change does impact me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, and the temperature. I think it's a combination of it's cold yeah. and it's dark, and I want to hibernate. Yep. I don't want to do anything after 5 o'clock because the sun is gone. Sure. And now I'm cold. Yep. And I'm tired. And yeah. I'm drained. And that's, that's definitely a challenge. I think um, back, you know, when the world was open, I would go and meet my friends or hang out in the evening and I wouldn't come straight home. Um, but the cold definitely doesn't help. And since that snow, it's mm -hmm. just been difficult to get warm, even though it's lovely outside. Yeah, it was beautiful. All the things. It was beautiful today. I had the front door open to yeah. air the house out because I've been missing that, like, airing of the house yes. and getting the, that stagnant air out of there. Absolutely. So today was gorgeous. Thursday is supposed to be spectacular. Nice. I'm planting bulbs that day. Well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, but one of the things I think, um, and, and... I'm going to segue into, you know, kind of because you picked the topic, um, is the anxiety of what's happening. And certainly, like, for me, since COVID started, the anxiety of going to the store is constant. Yes. And I didn't like it before. Right. Um, and I, I'm a every two-week shopper, mm -hmm. and I always get everything I need. I rarely go to the store in the middle of the week or in, in the middle of those two weeks. Um, but this last uh, shopping trip was a little bit more freaky. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I had one of those on Saturday, so that does segue us into our conversation tonight. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about PTSD tonight. Absolutely. So that's our topic. So on Saturday, I went to the grocery store, and I, too, struggle with crowds and yep. crowded spaces, and I like to go first thing in the morning, so I avoid yep. everybody, or just at a weird time during the day, if possible. When so, there aren't, like, a lot of people. Exactly. And that's pre-COVID. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so on Saturday, I needed to run to the store I was making a special pan of enchiladas for okay. my boyfriend because he was coming back um, from Arizona so I hadn't seen him in a week. And I was yeah. like, oh, I'll have enchiladas ready for you. And this is the thing with your boyfriend. You often make him enchiladas. I do. <laughs> and I only make 20 pounds of them because I, I mean, don't know how to cook less than that. So, so I learned to do individual ones. But anyway, go ahead. And they're portioned out and frozen. Um, <laughs> awesome. Meals forever. Uh, so I go to the groceries. There's 1 o'clock. I'm at the Smiths on Tramway and Central. Okay. So that's Why were not you so fucking far away? 
Because he lives over there. Oh, got you. Okay. And so, I, yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's very far away. It's very yeah. far away. That's not my neighborhood. No. Um, so I just went to the Smiths because I was like, there's a Smiths here. Need to pick up some cheese enchiladas, all stuff for the enchiladas. So I go in, I do my shopping. There's a lot of people. Everybody looks very stressed. I'm like, okay. Didn't yeah. have to wait in line to get in, which was nice. Yeah. Like, went in right away. So I'm coming out of Smiths. Mm-hmm. And just to pause. Your anxiety is already going up. Yeah, my heart rate is <laughs> racing right now, and I yeah. might have an episode on our episode. So let's just take some time. This is what yeah. I do with clients when they're triggered, and they're talking about their PTSD, right. um, because I can feel their anxiety. Yeah. And that's why I stopped you just for a second, because I don't need to have a fucking panic attack right now. No, we don't. So, so I don't either. Right. So, so let's take a deep breath in. Yeah. And out. <sighs> let's do one more. Okay. Deep breath in. Okay. okay, heart rate is lower. Okay, palms are still sweating. So I come out. I'm pushing my cart. Okay, and there's a very nice sports car parked right in front of the Smiths. Okay, right in front of it. Right, like almost in but, a parking space or like up on the fire line. Up on the fire line. Okay. Okay. So I come out and I notice the car right away as I'm walking through the double doors. I'm like, that's a nice car. And then yeah. I see a man standing halfway outside of his very nice car. Okay. And then my attention was called to that, and this man is screaming at oh. everyone. He's screaming, you socialist pigs, you fuckers wearing masks, what the fuck is wrong with you? But he's half in his car, half out of his car. What the fuck? And I finally clicked into it and was just like, holy shit. Yeah. And I was like, this man is going to do something. Okay. And, you're and so, right yeah. Okay, and so, so I... Uh, just uh, looked at him, and he was red, and spit is coming out of his mouth, and he's halfway in his car. Sure. I bolted. Okay. I literally, with my car, sprinted. Okay. I don't know how I made it through the parking lot without being hit by a car, because it was really busy. But sprinted to my car. Okay. Worried that he was going to commit a shooting. Okay. In the front of this store, because he was so angry at everyone for just wearing masks and right. for going and getting their groceries. Sure. So, this is a very and scary situation. was this like situation. after the election kind of announced? This was just on Saturday. This okay. was just this past Saturday at 1 o'clock in the So afternoon. that was like way, like a week after the election results. It was a week after the election results. Okay. But it was, well, and it was the Monday, or it was right before we started our lockdown. It was right, this the Friday she made the announcement right. that we're going okay. back into... On Monday. Uh-huh, to shelter in place okay. on Monday. And so and this man was just standing there screaming. Oh and God. I was just... The thing that popped into my head was, he's halfway in his car. Sure. Like, if he, he does something, he's just going to leave. Right. And that, that was an indicator to you, too, that something is going to happen. Something is going to happen. Got you. So, and I had parked all the way across the parking lot, because yeah. I don't fuck around with parking. I'm like, I'll walk. Same. And I like to walk, too. I usually park far away. Yeah, I, absolutely. It's not about getting my car dinged. No. It's about just, I just want a parking spot. I want to get in and get out. And right. And get this done with. Um, so, that happened. Okay. And that was just terrifying. Absolutely. That's just terrifying to me um, that, that that happened. So that made me think of tonight's topic of PTSD sure. because on Monday, in anticipation of my bulbs coming, uh-huh. I had to go to the Home Depot to get soil. Okay. And so... Another big parking lot, another... Another... Store, like... Yep, another okay. big incident. And, you know, I, I after that incident on Saturday, I called 
a friend, talk to a friend, sure. calm myself down, Good. nothing bad happened, fact checked it all, yes. nothing bad happened to you, nothing happened, you're okay, you're okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. he was upset, these are the facts. Yep, love it. Settle yourself down. Okay. I was like, okay, I'm good. Well, then Monday, I get to Home Depot, yeah. and there's a line. Okay. And so I'm like, okay. So I get in the line, and I have my cart, because I yep. grabbed a cart, and I'm standing there, and I'm waiting, and then a car drives by, mm-hmm. and boom, flashback okay. to Saturday. Yep. And I was like, whoa, we got some trigger going, we got some PTSD situation going on here, we need to work on managing this. Nice. And okay. so, but that's what led me to, to today's topic, is right. just get PTSD and how this happens and how we are susceptible and we don't even really think of these things. Well, and how, how triggers can be a lot of different things. So let me, let me back up a little bit on the science and, and the diagnosis, right? Right. So uh, post-traumatic stress disorder is uh, under the umbrella of anxiety. And when I talk to clients about it, what I define as that kind of anxiety response is your parasympathetic nervous system. It's the nervous system in your cerebellum, which is like your, um, they call it your reptilian reptilian brain, brain, exactly, that is responsible for the four Fs. um, And there are two more, and we'll talk about that too. Uh, But it's feeding, fighting, fleeing, and fucking. Oh! Um, but the other two are freeze and fawn. Yeah. So those two are specific to PTSD. Um, but what happens is when your adrenaline response, which is totally normal, is triggered in a traumatic event, and it could be a singular traumatic event right. or a series of traumatic events, um, what happens is it gets stuck. And so where normally our anxiety fluctuates between a two and a 10, um, I just, I describe it as, uh, if you've ever driven a standard car and you're in fourth and you throw it in a second and the RPMs like jump up, right? Um, our anxiety system, if we've been exposed to a traumatic event and, and it has lingering effects. So the lingering effects can be, but are not exclusively, um, night terrors. They are uh, an, an expo- ex- a significant, exacerbated, that's the word I was looking for, um, anxiety response where your hands are sweating, your uh, chest tightens up, your heart rate increases, you can be overly emotional and cry, um, or you can shut down, which is that freezing part. Yes. Um, so whenever that has happened and your anxiety response gets stuck, then anything that creates an anxiety response will then create that response. Right. For people who have had a traumatic event and they don't get stuck and they don't live there, then it doesn't necessarily have that same effect. So they wouldn't diagnose them with post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD. What we would say is you have an acute anxiety response. Okay. Okay. It's called a baby PTSD. The baby PTSD. Okay. So it's not as exaggerated, but it still has somewhat of a response. Right. The thing about like first responders, for example, they deal with traumatic events regularly. They can deal with it pretty pretty consistently in a in a normal I'm air using air quotes way mm-hmm. where it doesn't create that exaggerated or exacerbated anxiety response. Right. But with exposure and time. It can. Okay. Okay. And so 
you know, we, we talk about soldiers or, or people who have had, um, EMTs, assaults or Mm -hmm. all of those things. What's an EMT? An emergency medical technician. Yes. So anybody in in a first responder, and I use first responders because I work with them, um, but if they have prolonged exposure over time, they will get what's called a secondary trauma response, right? So if they're not experiencing the trauma, but dealing with somebody who's been in a trauma, they may have that as well. And they don't even recognize it, some of them. Isn't that something that we went over when we were in graduate school for counseling? Mm -hmm. It's that secondary PTSD from the experiences of our clients. Yes. And then we were taught, you know, to help ourselves, like, by establishing these healthy routines and self-care and boundaries. Absolutely. Putting on, I remember Dr. David Olguin would say, put on your coat of armor Uh so that it's deflected from you. Yes. And so the challenging piece of when I, a minute ago, stopped you mm-hmm. because I was feeling it. Yeah. As an empath, that is what I feel. Right. And so if you're having a feeling, good, bad, otherwise, I am going to feel that feeling. Right. As a, a therapist and certainly as an empathetic person, that can be also triggering for me. Mm-hmm. And I work with the minimal amount of trauma. Right. Um, although... I do have clients who have post-traumatic stress disorder. And so when they are going into their trauma, Mm -hmm. um, I am very careful not to jump right in there and be like, tell me about the worst day of your life. Like that's not helpful for them. And it's sure as shit not helpful for me. Right. And it's not helpful for the therapeutic process in the way that I do therapy. Right. But once that anxiety response is is triggered right Mm -hmm. and then any other triggering event will give you that response that you had because have you ever experienced a shooting no right have you ever had or been present with someone who has had a shooting at my school okay so right yeah and that's the other thing is that you've also had the training right to be aware of those things right and, and that's sh- why my system was yeah. like, get the fuck out of here right now. Yes. Just fucking run. Yes. I don't have to drag 20 kids with me. No. But get out of here. Yes. So. And that's, that's, and, and you have, and in, in you can share however you want to share, um, you have a history of some traumatic events that have already kind of triggered right. your anxiety system. Right. Okay. It's already peaked. Right. It's already, it's primed. There we go. It's well-oiled machine. And and that's that's true. The, the priming piece is the piece that we don't necessarily understand. Right. Because if you've been in war or had a traumatic event, you're not going to necessarily experience that same thing. Right. But your anxiety system, your parasympathetic nervous system does not know the difference. No, it does not know the difference. It just knows danger. Mm-hmm. Right? And coming down from that, if you can talk a little bit about what it was like once you got to your car, mm-hmm. how long did it take for you to calm the fuck down? It took, it took a while. Like I got in the car. I got. I don't even remember getting in the car. Yep. I don't and remember that's any of it because that all. happens. Like I once your adrenaline system floods. Go ahead. I, absolutely. I was just like in get out of here. Get taken care of. Get safe mm-hmm. mode, and then got back to the house. Phoned a friend after taking... I sat in the car, actually, and took a lot of deep breaths. Because I was like, you know, you're safe, you're fine, you're safe, you're fine. Like, you're okay. Like, check the news later. Mm -hmm. Like, 
or don't. Yeah. Like, just it, avoid that. Yeah. Um, and so probably about a good two hours, three hours, and a vodka and tonic later. Sure. And Did you feel really therapy. tired after? I felt wasted. Yep. Just done. Yep. Like, just completely spent. I watched movies the whole rest of the afternoon after I made 20 pounds of enchiladas. And that's what your body will do when it's flooded with adrenaline. Mm -hmm. um, they talk about shock, right? Where people yep. don't necessarily can't form a memory. They're not really able to coherently have a thought. Like, right. And that can last for a long time. Right. Um, and then, because your adrenaline system is flooded... It's gonna, it's, it'll drain you. Right. You'll pass the fuck out. Like, yeah. people don't remember the traumatic event itself for a reason. Right. Our brain protects us from that. Um, PTSD will cause uh, memory issues. And clients don't necessarily understand well, that. Well, that's the trauma to the brain. 100%. That's the That's brain. the flooding of adrenaline. Exactly. So I already have that pre-damaged mm. trauma brain. So that's why, you know, I wasn't beating myself up about not being able to remember. I can't remember what the person looked like. That's fair. I can kind of remember what the car looked like. Mm -hmm. But that's it. Yep. I remember the sky was really clear. Yeah. That's it. And so. that that's one of the things that if you don't necessarily... Um, identify as someone who has PTSD, mm -hmm. but you've been exposed to traumatic events or that secondary trauma, right. um, that is something to look at and talk to a therapist or professional about Absolutely. to be able to learn the skills. So what I heard you say is you fact-checked, yep. you got to safety, yep. and then you took care of yourself after. I had to. Yeah. Absolutely. I had to. And so now I'm still on monitoring because I went to the Home Depot, right. had to stand in the line, saw the car, was like, nope, fact check, fact check, fact check, we're okay, we're okay, but I am monitoring, am I having night terrors or am I waking up sweating? Yep. Because a lot of times I don't remember what I dream about. Exactly. But your so, body will reenact things exactly. or create that anxiety response. And that's why people will wake up really overwhelmed mm -hmm. um, or they'll wake up in a panic attack. Right. Um, they may not remember what they were thinking about, but their anxiety system has already been triggered. Right. And so I'm not having any of that, Good. but I am monitoring myself for the next 30 days. And if I do have any, any stuff come up, sure. definitely we'll be scheduling an EMDR appointment just mm -hmm. to help my nervous system to come down yeah. from that. So EMDR is awesome. Um, just because you brought it up, let's go ahead and yeah, talk, let's talk a little about bit it about because that. it is awesome, and I did want to touch on it for this because it is one it's of a, the it's a great treatment. trauma treatments mm -hmm. that's out there. Um, so it's eye movement, desensitization, desensitization, and reprogramming. Yeah, thank you. I always forget the reprogramming. <laughs> um, and so EMDR is a scientifically based treatment for. Uh, post-traumatic, but it's not the only, I mean, it's not only used for that. You can use it for all kinds of things. Um, people have used it for breakups. I used it for mom stuff. Like right. I've definitely had EMDR done. I am not a practitioner of EMDR, um, only because I use hypno and other things. Mm -hmm. Um, hypno is a, a really good way of, of working on it in a similar way, but in a much slower way. Right. Um, and so do you have an EMDR practitioner that you're, like, familiar with, or... No, I just have okay. to find one on the internet. That's fair. So, I do know one in Santa Fe. Okay. So, I actually do know a practitioner. Dr. Marker Curie. Okay. I do recommend that if you are going to seek out EMDR treatment, um, you can go to just about anybody who does it, 
in my experience though I recommend that you talk to somebody for how long like ask them questions like how long have you been practicing EMDR right um you know for people who are certified in EMDR they do have to get um continuing education credits right. and uh keep current on those things the challenging piece for me as a therapist is a lot of people do it because it's a buzz therapy like it's so cool but it's so intensive i mean there's aspects of it that are flooding where you're actually talking about this traumatic event while Absolutely. sounds and noises and lights are happening but you're going through and reliving that in a flooding traumatizing way well my challenge is that so many people have gone out and done like done trainings and then willy-nilly will do it Oof. and i have problems with that oh, yeah. um there's there is very very regimented uh, succinct ways of doing EMDR. There mm -hmm. are lots of great practitioners out there. Mm -hmm. There are also people who will willy nilly do a fucking thing and re-traumatize people. Yeah. And so I, I I caution clinicians to really take their time and recognize that taking someone through a trauma. Mm -hmm. If you have not done your own work, or if you just want a bill for that extra modality, right. don't fucking do that. You hurt people. You do hurt people. And so that's why when I get a new client, I'm not going to be like, tell me about the worst day of your life. Like, right. that's not helpful. That's not helpful. Clients have a hard enough time going in to see a therapist, yep. especially if they've got a history of trauma, yep. to have to tell their story over again mm -hmm. every time they go to a new therapist right. it's fucked up don't do it right it's bad practice it is bad practice bad because practice. what you're doing is you're re-traumatizing someone yes and so when i go through trauma one i do it very slowly and two i'm not going to let a client get super activated and then be like good luck have a good rest of your day like session's over yeah that's not one it's not responsible but it's also not helpful for a client. Right. Um, and therapists, do whatever you're going to do. Like, that's fine. I'm not the fucking therapy police. But I do know that for me mm -hmm. and for clients that have come and had that experience, it's dangerous and not helpful. Right. Yeah, no, I won't talk anything trauma with the students. Yeah. I'm, it's not my role. Yep. I'm very much in transitions. Yep. This is what I do. You're very much scope I'm of practice. Very like, scope this is of practice. Where I am. Yeah. Because I don't have the expertise to, to manage the trauma. Sure. Yeah, I learned about it in college and in grad school yep. and practiced it in my clinical rotation stuff and practicums and all of this. And when I worked, you know, with little, little kids and families, you know, there was yeah. some trauma treatment there in my first job with Hogaris. But after that, I, I won't. I'll, hey, you know what? We need to talk to a social worker. Hold on. Let's walk you over there. Nice. Right now. We're going that's into awesome. an area that I don't feel that I'm going to be of any resource to you. Yep. And that's what I tell them. I'm not saying, I don't say, I can't help you with that. I'm like, <laughs> you know what? This is not my area of expertise, yeah. sweetheart. And I want to support you and I want you to get the help that you need. So come on, let's go find a social worker. Let's go. I'm going to walk you there. I'm going to hand you off. I'm going to make sure that your needs are met. 100%. Because one of the things that... Um, people don't recognize. So first of all, if they haven't done a whole lot of therapy or treatment and they have a history of trauma or traumas, um, sometimes they'll just talk about it willy-nilly. Um, and I say willy-nilly, but they talk about it with a pretty flat affect and they Very don't... Very casual. Yes. 
The challenging piece is that even talking about a trauma mm -hmm. can then bring up that same anxiety response mm -hmm. and they don't even realize it. Right. Like they might just kind of always be a little bit triggered. Right. And so when we talk about triggering, the word triggering is it can trigger an anxiety response. So if you think about, we're using the word trigger, it's obviously a part of a gun, but if you think about a gun mm -hmm. and you think about the fact that your anxiety response is that magazine fully loaded, mm -hmm. right? That gun is cocked and ready for any opportunity to go off. That's a really good analogy. That's why they call it triggering. I love it. <laughs> but think about that, right? If you if you think about your anxiety as a cocked pistol, right, already loaded, chambered, all the things, ready to go. That trigger, it's just a matter of a suggestion, a smell, a you know, color, anything that your body will then respond to. Right. And if your anxiety is that bullet, that's why we call it a trigger. Yeah. It's a triggered response, right? And it is, it is dangerous mm -hmm. and it is very, very serious. Yes. And even if it's not as bad as all of that, it's a fucking uncomfortable. Yeah. Anxiety is not something to fuck with. No, no. And it's debilitating. It can be very debilitating. 100%. That's why I said 30 day monitoring. Yeah. And just paying am, attention to what you're am I eating? experiencing. Am I sleeping? Am I hygiening? Am I socialing? Yes. Am I doing all of my normal things? Mm -hmm. And so those are the things to be mindful of. Yes. With anxiety, with PTSD, with any of the anything in that umbrella house of anxiety. Yes. Is what are my facts? Am I doing my norm? Yep. Am I deviating from my norm? Did I eat yesterday? If you have to ask yourself that, fact check yourself. Well, and the hypervigilance is very, very normal when you have been diagnosed with PTSD or have it um, because the hypervigilance is one of those things that you just pay attention to certain things. Mm -hmm. You are just aware of what, what your environment looks like. You know, you're paying attention to cars that are red. Right. You're paying attention to men who are yelling. You know, you're paying attention to a lot of things. Right. And the hypervigilance is normal. Right. However, if it then becomes a problem. Right. Right. And a lot of clients who have PTSD or really high elevated anxiety will check their locks several times. Mm -hmm. Or they, which turns into like an obsessive or, you know, Compulsive. OCD kind of behavior. Mm -hmm. So the obsession is the thought. Right. The compulsion is the behavior. behavior. And when you are doing those things, like you're double checking your environment, you're, and that's totally fine to be safe. That's one thing. Yeah. It's when it's debilitating is another thing. Right. And so I love that you're monitoring your behaviors so that they are within the normal range. Right. Based on what just happened. Right. Well, yeah, that's the hashtag self care. Yes. 100%. That's hashtag self care. Cause what I experienced was terrifying. Yeah. Fucking terrifying. And there's a reason that that training happens, unfortunately, right. in a school. Yes. But now, now your brain is looking for it. Mm-hmm. And you did a great job of just like, rather than engaging this man, right. just kind of going, okay, I, I need to just get myself safe. Uh, exactly. Like, get to your car. Yep. And that's what I did. Fair. 
And so those are all kind of aspects of uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. Right. Um, the acute stress disorder, which is the baby PTSD, which mm -hmm. is how I remembered it for the tests. Um, acute stress disorder doesn't last very long. Right. It's usually like three or four weeks potentially from a traumatic event. Um, you may still have some hypervigilance. You may still have some like sleep dysregulation or emotional dysregulation. But it doesn't continue to create a panic attack every time XYZ happens. Right. And so acute, acute stress disorder um, is that kind of baby PTSD that's not as significant. Right. Post-traumatic stress disorder can last a lifetime. Yep. Um, but really recognizing that even if something happened in childhood, you may not experience or be aware that you have PTSD until you're triggered. Right. And that could be years. It could be decades in between. 100%. And when your brain is engaged in other things, so let's say something happened in adolescence, for mm -hmm. example. Um, you don't live there. You mm -hmm. don't have the same like stress responses. You may be hypervigilant. You may have a little bit of an anxiety response if certain things happen. Right, right. But what I notice is that adults who like work a job forever mm -hmm. um, or do other things, you know, they're just living their best adult lives and then they retire, mm -hmm. what happens is if your brain's not engaged in a regular repetitive thing mm -hmm. or not distracted by just life, yeah. that's when that shit comes up. Yeah. Right? Or if you have a weekend or if you have a vacation or whatever, like that's when you'll start to recognize, oh, should I, I'm doing a thing. And I may have, I may have always just been like angry. Right. Right? I may have just kind of always been um, more reactive emotionally to a thing that wasn't necessarily a big deal. Right. And that's kind of what it looks like until later when you're like, oh, I just realized that I was a complete asshole for all this time. No, you weren't. You had a lot of anxiety and you were responding right. from a triggering event, from a, a trauma mm -hmm. that you maybe didn't deal with. Right. Which some which people you, don't. And you didn't know to deal with it. Sometimes Absolutely. we don't think to have to deal with things. Sure. You know, there's a great example that we, again, grad school, what the example was two people can be standing on a street corner, see yep. a car accident, one person walks away, never thinks about it ever again, mm -hmm. and the other person has PTSD, it sets the nervous system into overdrive, and they, they do have significant um, distress yep. from seeing that, and hopefully they go see therapy and get that managed and learn skills yep. and all the things to help, Whereas that other person just didn't... It didn't affect them in the same way. It just didn't affect them in the same way. But they might not have been primed from prior trauma. Exactly. They may not have had that same... I mean, if you already have a little bit of anxiety... Right. That in and of itself is a priming. Yeah. Right? And if your brain tends to perseverate on a thing... Right. If you already have fear of, like, death or a car accident or whatever... Right. That particular traumatic event can then trigger a PTSD situation. Exactly. Which then turns into a lifetime of a whole lot of other shit. Potentially. Right. And so, thank you for bringing that up. Because yeah. Because it's, it's very helpful. I think for our clients who maybe, you know, people throw it around. They kind of throw it around like they do bipolar. Right. Right? They're like, oh, she's bipolar. Or, it's oh, just it's my PTSD. PTSD. Right. It's the, a significant diagnosis. It's 100%. a significant diagnosis. It's a significant thing that people who do have PTSD are going through. Absolutely. And they and they deal with it all the time. Yeah. 
right? They may appear on the outside to have everything together, but it is one thing to pay attention to your own anxiety response. Right. Right? Um, I, I would say that I definitely have acute stress disorder. Um, I wouldn't even say that I have PTSD, but there are certain triggering things for me that are um, evident when I am exposed to, for example, yelling. Mm-hmm. I grew up, my mom was a yeller. I've talked about it a lot in the podcast. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, it wasn't the worst thing ever. Um, but being in relationships now with people who, and I have a very elevated voice. Like I, you're loud. I am very loud. You project. I do. It's a very different thing to be yelled at. It is very different. And so that is for me a trigger. Mm -hmm. Um, I have experience with, um, people with substance issues. Mm -hmm. Um, and I am very triggered with, um, somebody who gets very, very drunk. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it also depends on if it's a male or female. It also depends on the setting. Um, but if someone is intoxicated and then behaves in a certain way, that's very triggering for me. Right. And I will shut down, which is that, um, freezing. Yeah. Right. Um, fawning is a whole different thing. Yeah. Talk more about that. I'm glad that you came back around to that because I want to know more about fawning. That's new to me. So fighting... And fleeing, we know about yep. that, right? Yep. And Either, fucking. And fucking. Um, specific to triggering events, um, fighting does not always look like throwing chingasos or like, you know, <laughs> fight, like actual fighting. What it can look like is anger. Okay. Okay. And so people can get really um, combative or argumentative or defensive, um, and that might be part of their trigger response. Um, feeding... I mean, you can eat, but it's not necessarily an anxiety trigger response. Fucking, sometimes it is and can be, and people who have uh, sex addiction, and I'm not linking the two, but I'm saying correlatively, Uh um, that they might want to get a hit of oxytocin or a hit of dopamine or a hit of serotonin, and they just want to fucking feel better and not feel what they're feeling, and so then they seek out affection in that way. That gratification. Absolutely. Um, fawning and freezing are the other F's that we don't talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, freezing can be like, I don't, I'm not going to do anything cause I'm very triggered right now. And that's really scary. Yeah. Fawning can be, I'm going to just be really nice to you. Or especially if your, your trauma is, let's say arguing, mm-hmm. for example, or conflict. Some people will freeze and shut down or they will in a code D kind of way, I'm going to give you anything you want. Pacify. Yes. And think about, and I don't want to trigger anybody in saying this, but like in a sexual assault, Mm -hmm. sometimes they'll just acquiesce. Mm -hmm. They'll just kind of give into it Mm -hmm. because they don't want to fight it. Right. Or they don't have the ability to fight it. Right. And so they'll just kind of, some people freeze, totally Mm -hmm. fine. Some people just kind of be like, okay, think about maybe not sexual assault, but like date rape. Mm-hmm. Go through the process. Yes. But not be engaged in it. Exactly. That's what fawning looks like. Okay. Um, for people who are triggered, sometimes they'll just like, I don't know what just happened. I'll just be nice to you. I'm just going to shut down and go on autopilot and then later deal with it. Mm-hmm. Right? And so that's what that is. Okay. Okay. That's new to me. Yeah. 
Um, it's a whole another addition to science in terms of PTSD and like our physiological response. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to, I'm not saying in any way that someone who's dealt with like a date rape or sexual assault, um, because that's, that's what a lot of people think mm-hmm. is that if you, why didn't you just fight it? Well, sometimes fighting is not your only option. Right. Well, some t- well I'm not going to get into it, but Yeah. And so that's when fawning happens, is like, I'm just going to fucking, okay, this is happening. Mm -hmm. And so when, I mean, unfortunately, there's so many women who have been in a potentially sexually harassing or sexual assault kind of situation that kind of just let things happen. Right. Because that's safer. Right. Than to fight a situation. If you are, even if a man is not holding a gun and it's not a violent sexual assault. Mm Mm-hmm. Your friend has hit on you, and you're like, I don't know what the fuck you're going to do. You're bigger than I am. Right. You are maybe not dangerous in, like, a holding a knife or a gun to me, mm-hmm. but you've been aggressive in the past, and so I'm just going to let things happen right. to get myself safe. Yeah. I may even go out on another date with you. Right. Because I don't want you to hurt me. Right, because that fear of retaliation. Yes. And so a lot of people will act as though you you were asking for it or you let it happen. Right. Well, sometimes letting it happen keeps me safe. Yeah. And I'm not necessarily... And then I'm going to question myself. Yeah. And then I'm going to be like, like, I guess I liked him. I don't know. You know, I guess I, I liked it. I let it happen. I let it happen. I said yes. Right. And after I said no 45 times. Exactly. As, like, you know, after I held that boundary and held that boundary and held that boundary. Yeah. But it was going to happen regardless and possibly in a violent way if I didn't just exactly. let this happen. Right. And so those are things to think about. Right. And, again, if you're triggered at this moment, I do want you to stop the podcast. Yes. Take some deep breaths. Yes. Um, I don't, I don't want anybody to blame themselves or have shame about things that we've had to do in situations that are like that because it happens and fawning is part of what happens when we are triggered. How are you? I'm sad. Okay. <laughs> I'm sad, but I'm There were I would. some feelings happening. I'm sad. My heart just hurts. Yeah. This happens to so many people. Absolutely. This happens to so many people, and it just... It, it's a lot, and it's, it's lot. heavy. And it's breaking my heart. That's fair. And so... And as an empathetic person, I get it. Yeah. You know? Um, and there, there are lots of ways... There is a really good book. I, I hesitate to recommend it. Um, because it can be incredibly triggering. Um, but uh, Dr. James Vanderkolk wrote a book called The Body Keeps Score. Ooh. Um, it's a great book from a clinician's perspective on PTSD. Um, I hesitate to recommend it only because it goes through a lot of traumatic things. Okay. Um, and so he's a, a psychologist, um, PhD. Um, I think he's actually a psychiatrist. He might be a, an MD. Okay. Um, but the book does a great job of talking about how PTSD and how a traumatic event can affect your body and how people and our brains are amazing 
at being able to get us through things, the resiliency yeah. of our brains to be able to survive some really fucking horrific things. Yes. Um, humans do horrible things to each other. Yes. Um, but our body, our brain's ability to kind of get us through that mm -hmm. is amazing. The challenging piece is our bodies are not as astute as our brains at dealing with those things. And so that's why a trigger can be anything. Yeah. Um, a trigger can be a smell. Yeah, I was going to say it can be impacted by all of our senses. All of our senses. A certain touch, uh -huh. a certain feel of the weather. Yep. If the day felt like the day something bad happened, yes. you can start feeling that all over. If the lighting... Yeah. I mean, there's, we could go on and on of all the senses. Sure. You, know, you get a certain flavor in your mouth, a certain smell. Mm-hmm. And so all of those things can potentially be a trigger. Mm-hmm. And so we, again, we don't take any of this lightly. Mm -hmm. Um, this is a very serious podcast and we will probably have to put trigger warnings. Yes. On our, <laughs> um, we're almost done. That oh. was crazy. Um, but I, I do want our listeners to, and, and we'll definitely like post things ahead of time. Don't listen to this if you have any kind of triggers. Um, or do. Or do. Just make sure that you're taking care of yourself. Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. Thank you for bringing it up. You're welcome. Yeah. Absolutely. I can go all fucking day on this shit. I um, know. <laughs> we need to do like another PTSD like round two, just talking about treatment. Like we touched on EMDR, yes, but there are sure. other treatment modalities. Yes. Um, Aromatherapy is great. Um, if you're into the woo shit, like doing uh, Reiki is awesome. Um, definitely find a, a, a clinician or a practitioner who is aware of those things. There's so many ways of dealing with the, the reactions and the anxiety responses to trauma. Right. And they're and, natural. Absolutely. They're, they're, they're put in place to keep you safe. Yes. So it's, it's natural. Don't feel ashamed of no. how you feel ever. Absolutely. But also recognize that, um, our bodies are amazing and you are not broken. There is just, that's your body's way of protecting you. But it also feels super uncomfortable. Yes. Um, panic is terrible. Yes. Um, and so thank you for bringing it up. Um, and thank you to our listeners for being willing to listen to this because it can be a lot. This was a lot. It was a lot. Um, sometimes we have fun and sometimes we talk about serious shit. <laughs> so um, thank you for listening. If you have any questions, um, if you have been triggered, make sure to reach out to um, a clinician who's licensed, um, and if you don't want to do therapy, definitely take care of yourself. Absolutely. Um, and pay attention to your physiological responses, but also what your head is doing. Right. Um, if you're perseverating on this, if you're thinking about it a lot, it might be a good idea to talk to someone. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to us. We are X to the Zenial, um, and we will be back with a guest next time. Ooh! Have a great rest of your day. Good day.